Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio with me, Joe Moffat. Um, Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and we are the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country, as well as our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on great practice. Do visit us at engageforsuccess.org to learn more. Uh, where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter to keep up to date on all things employee engagement and engage for success. So I'm Jo Moffat. I'm I'm one of the regular hosts. And as with everyone who's involved with Engage for Success, we're all volunteers and we all have day jobs. Um, And mine is Managing Director and Founder of Woodread. Uh, Woodread's a specialist creative agency where we use the tools, the techniques and the insight-led approach of the advertising and marketing world to help our clients create great places to work, high-performing cultures of engaged employees. So today is radio show number 497. Amazing to imagine we've been doing these every week for such a long time now. And um, our topic today is employee engagement in an operational setting. Um, You know, over the last few, few years now, since the pandemic, it The focus has very much been on hybrid, flexible, remote, uh, distributed workforces Um, and and yet um, steadfastly keeping the the wheels turning uh, are literally hundreds of thousands of workers working in uh, operational roles. And of course, employee engagement there is, is crucial. And to help us explore that topic, I'm very pleased to welcome to Engage for Success Radio, Emma James. Emma is Head of Colleague Experience Communications at Moto Hospitality, and she'll tell us a little bit more in a moment about who they are. And I've, I've known Emma um, for a good few years now, um, I think, Emma, isn't it? When you were back when your Merlin days um, yep. and uh, Emma's been in been a, a great contributor and supporter of Engage for Success both in terms of applying the kind of principles that um, that we espouse and the four enablers of engagement in in her own practice but also getting involved in our uh, hosting live events for us um, one famous one at, at uh, Chessington World of Adventures and more recently um, on our on our most recent um, live event uh, Emma was the keynote speaker so um, very much involved with the movement. So it's great to have you uh, on our show today, Emma. Um, so perhaps we can uh, we can kick off by uh, asking you just to tell our audience just a little bit more about you and your and your background, um, how you got to the role you are at, at Moto, for example, and what you do there. Thanks, Joe. Well, a little bit about you talked about the hybrid of uh, what marketing and advertising can bring to our colleague engagement world. Well, that's my background. So I originally started working in marketing and comms um, around my own business a few years back now um, and decided to make an active change, um, which is when I went over to Merlin Entertainments being a theme park junkie. Um, it was a perfect place for me with a head office down in Poole in Dorset, where I'm based. Um, so I was there for five years. And you're right, we did some great stuff there as well, Joe. And again, 95% frontline workers um, within that hospitality, retail, tourism sector. Um, during uh, COVID, they made the majority of the head office teams redundant. You know, theme parks were really decimated by what happened with COVID, mm-hmm. which left me kind of looking for the next opportunity. And uh, 
very quickly, a little bit quicker than I expected, uh, Moto came along. Um, now, Moto are actually based um, in near Luton. So I work from home down in Dorset, which works lovely for me and my little one. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've got a four-year-old now. So he started school, so it helps to have that flexibility. And look, um, my, head's, my head of communications and head of colleague experience role has evolved even in the nearly three years I've been here. Um, and I've gradually taken on more and more, which I'm sure is not alien to many of us in these types of roles you become a bit of a hybrid um uh, yeah. it's always yeah, fun absolutely um and um so motor hospitality for those who don't know we're the uk's largest supplier of motorway services so if you've stopped at winchester services weatherby services heston you've been to a moto um and what most people don't realize is the moment you step into that services and you're served a burger king you're served a costa you're actually being served by our colleagues so we actually have around 6,000 staff across the UK. Um, so it's a big role. And they're all a mixture of hospitality and retail. And again, majority of our colleagues are on that front line, not in front of a computer. Um, and I have to say, I love it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. OK, great. Well, thank you for that. So interesting. I mean, there's that there's that tension, I guess, which we might explore uh, uh, if we have the time between do employees consider themselves as being um moto people or do they consider themselves to be kfc people or costa people and i think that you know that's always a that's always a challenge in any of these sort of um franchisee type situations isn't it um which which we we might explore so so um let's let's kick off then um what what would you say is one of the one of the main challenges um about engaging colleagues working on those operational front lines who aren't in front of a computer I think you touched on one of them which is there's this movement towards flexible and hybrid working and um, a lot of them are hearing this and seeing this but there's sort of a negativity and a frustration that comes with that and that it's not always possible for them to have that Mm -hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the time as well we forget the world we're in and the the world we've moved to in the last few years customers can actually be increasingly more challenging and if you look at it from that perspective, they're first of all, not only they're not able to have some of the flexibility, they're also on that front line dealing with quite challenging, quite, uh, how do I put it, customers that can cause conflict at times and can be challenging to work with. So it can be difficult for us to work out what's within our control as an organization, as a HR team, what is within our control when you know, a motorway service is even more so something people probably never think about is that if you visit your village Costa, that's your destination so therefore you're already in a great mood you're already a fairly positive customer Mm. they visit our costa we're we're something on the way we're a begrudge purchase on the way to a destination we're we have gaming facilities so we have people with gambling challenges that that we're dealing with so actually i think a lot of the time really engaging with and looking at our colleague happiness can be really controlled by the behavior of our customers and there's only so much we can do at times to consider our colleagues' well-being and safety when some of it is out of our control. So I think that's that's a challenge we've certainly faced in the last couple of years. Mm. Interesting, actually. I and mean, without asking you to sort of um, give too give give um, too much away or sort of share share secrets and things. Do you do you think, as a matter of observation, we as a nation have become more have become ruder in the last few years? Do you think social media is a bit of a sort of theory of mine that social media has almost given people the they've given them this sense that actually anything goes and they can say whatever the hell they like to somebody and they could do it off a keyboard but they can equally do it face to face and and some of that politeness has kind of gone away a bit 
I, th- I think that's true to an extent. I also think it's even more challenging when, for example, the the, the colleagues serving you have a mask on and it's hard to understand what they're saying. Right. Um, it's even more relevant when I think as a world, we've become in more of a rush. We want to get everything done quickly, but we have very high expectations. And sometimes we're you're in a queue. There's nothing we can do about that. Um, and equally, look at it from the perspective of how hard it is to recruit in that hospitality and recruitment sector right now. Mm-hmm. So the poor staff that are in, despite the fact that they're short staffed, are the ones that will take the abuse from the customers because there's a long queue or the food is taking longer than they expect so I do think what you've said is right but I also some think some of it is our culture now um that we have those expectations yeah oh yes I mean we certainly have a customer expectations have set, have risen and rightly so I mean you know it's it's entirely right that we should be expect better levels of service and and, and all the rest of it so so is the fact that you're people are not in front of a computer one of the biggest challenges um or is it uh, you know what what are the what are the main the main things I think I think I probably pull out three things that we've been really focusing on. One of them is definitely that they're not in front of a computer. So it's very hard to communicate with them. Mm. And however we look at it, communication and colleague experience go so closely hand in yes. hand. We launched back in November, we launched something called Loop, which is our uh, our colleague app. So they can download it on their personal phones. They can see all of the communication, social feeds. They can also access their benefits and all the good fun stuff as well as being informed. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, we've seen a, a huge amount of take upon that. But I also think that's going to take time to evolve. But I can already see that's having a knock on impact on recognition, on them being informed, on their well-being. We have a well-being hub in there. So I think, uh, and just so you know, we built that in a platform called Staffbase in, in partnership with Reward Gateway. So. Mm-hmm. I think that's number one for us, that that ability for them to have two-way communications um, is a huge differentiator, I think. But if I look at probably two other things, I think one of them for us is really upskilling our on-site managers. Yeah. If they're upskilled, and again, that's challenging because they're not at a computer once again, so virtual learning can be challenging. We've been working on um, specific, um, we call it our leadership academy, specific programs to help upskill our on-site leaders, our team leaders, our department managers, so that they understand everything from how to recognise a disengaged colleague to the importance of well-being to how to offer recognition and feedback. And I think that is also going to make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And then probably the third one for me is I'm sure nobody on this call um, is alien to the concept of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I'm a, a big believer in this. You've probably heard me talk about it before, Joe. that we often try to shove things in at the top of Maslow's hierarchy of need. We, we run a competition. We try and make them feel recognized on site. But actually, in a lot of these frontline operational settings, their actual basic environment isn't where it needs to be and their basic needs aren't taken care of. Right. So if they're coming into work and they don't feel they've got a safe place to store their bag, a clean and accessible place to sit and have their break, a clean toilet to access. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the time in a lot of these operational settings, and it was the same was true at Merlin, I know the same is true at many other businesses I've spoken to in this setting. That can be really challenging, especially when they look across at the customer experience in comparison. Yes. You you might be investing in the look and feel of the seating area. You might be investing in the the theme park uh, look and feel so that when that colleague that we call them colleagues at Moto, so it's a habit that when that staff member comes behind the scenes and their area isn't at that same standard, it can be really disengaging and it can feel like we're not taking care of their basic needs. Mm -hmm. I I remember um, back in your Merlin days, we talked about this, didn't we? Because it's very stark 
Um, yeah. It's a very stark contrast in that kind of magical theme park environment, yes. isn't it? Because you have the you have the kind of front facing theatre of, of what the public see um, and behind the scenes could be could be very, very different indeed. Um, and to a lesser extent, I'm guessing at Moto, but nonetheless, um, perhaps a little bit more, a little bit like that. So what do you do about that? How do you how do you fight that battle to make sure that those basics are taken care of, Emma? Yeah, I totally understand that. And I love the way you said fight that battle, because I think any of us in employee experience, employee engagement roles, a massive part of our role is to influence the decisions on some of the bigger areas. Mm. However, we look at that, you know, we, we will look at the survey results from our colleague survey, we will look at the feedback. And it's our job really to get stuck in and influence decisions, usually at board level, to drive those things that are important. So the, as soon as I joined here and looked at those colleague survey results and understood that and visited the sites myself and understood that, it meant I knew what I was petitioning for. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm lucky here. We are very people first and we're on a massive culture transformation. So the conversation has become easier to begin with. But, you know, when we've been looking at doing all of our um, property renovations for our customer side, we've also made a promise by the end of this year to refurbish every colleague area. So by talking to the board, by petitioning, we've also got a great property director who gets it. We were able to really secure the investment to back that up. And do you know what? A little bit of that came from, and again, you might remember me doing this at Merlin. I cross-correlated the colleague happiness, employee engagement survey results with other business KPIs. So I could prove that if colleague happiness goes up, so do the other business KPIs, whether that's customer NPS or profitability. I was able to prove statistically that if we increased one, the other one increased with it, which also I think makes the conversation a little bit easier that you'll be, you're going in there with facts. Yes, absolutely. I think it makes it damn sight easier really, doesn't it? And I think, I mean, you, you know, that's, that's you're preaching to the converted here with me because mm. it's something I've always banged on about for blooming years that we we need to get better at measuring and and identifying these these links so that we can make those we can make those arguments and very often we we don't do you do you think that you are better placed to do that because of your background Emma that you've you've kind of come from a a broader business marketing side of things rather than just looking at people I think perhaps, I think at times, you know, I'm not a CIPD qualified HR practitioner that deals with disciplinaries and employee relations. And it it can mean sometimes I can't see that side of it. So I do appreciate that. But I do think I can see it from a communications perspective helps. But you know what actually helps more? Getting back into our sites and spending time with the the site teams and the operational teams. Mm. That actually, I think, gives me even better insight than my own background, because I need to see it through their eyes. and But that is a marketing concept, isn't it? You know, what's the number one thing you learn in marketing? Understand absolutely. your audience. Start with and your I, audience. Yeah, always, absolutely. Always. Yep. And I think it's something that as um, internal communications and engagement professionals, it's something that we can go back to and go, actually, let's start with our audience. You know, I, I remember spending the day on the Legoland Windsor turnstiles and spending a day with the Sea Life Brighton Aquarists. Spending a day here, I made um, KFC burgers for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, which was entertaining because I'm four foot ten, so I couldn't reach the top shelves. So I could only take certain orders. Um, <laughs> I spent the day working in one of our costas on a really busy bank holiday weekend. By doing that, I was able to see their day to days of what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And I think I can't, I couldn't have gone to the board without that, without the photos I took, without mm-hmm. the feedback that I had. And so I do think we, as professionals, have to make sure we are seeing it from that perspective. 
yes yeah absolutely absolutely so 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 tell me if, if one of the if one of the problems with engaging frontline colleagues particularly in hospitality where there has been such a uh, there's such a challenge of attracting talent um mm-hmm. does that mean that you are you you ask you're trying to get more out of your people all the time and and if so how do you go about that without burning them out it's a really good question joe and i think it's something that our industry has, has had a challenge with for a while but mm. add an extra layer onto that that our sites are not accessible by public transport and we work funny shifts because we're open 24 hours so add that extra layer on top it's even harder to recruit for us than a high street coster yeah so i do think that there is the challenge of that of trying to ask a lot of the existing colleagues i think that's something that's been a little bit unavoidable um what we've done for example is put kind of retention bonuses in in places where we know it's tough to recruit kfc uh-huh. and Burger King being prime examples of that so we try to give back uh-huh. we've put refer a friend schemes in because we know people are more likely to stay if they've come and they already know somebody uh-huh. um we've we've looked at salary more locally so for example if you work at winchester services your expectations on salary would be very different to swansea services for example. Right. But I do think you're right. And I'm not I'm not sure we solidly have the answer for it yet. Um, mm. I think we try to focus on well-being, focus on manager upskilling, mm. focus on really good benefits mm. so that people stay. Um, but I think it I think it is a tricky one that I'm not sure the hospitality and retail sector solidly have the answers. There's for no yet. there's no there's no magic bullet solution to the fact that there just aren't enough people out there who will who want to do the jobs is there. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the managers and your your upskilling um, that you're doing through your leadership academy, which is it is absolutely crucial, isn't it? And of course, it it's absolutely at the heart of what we talk about at Engage for Success, with the second enabler of engagement being the importance of having line managers who can coach and stretch and train their people and treat their people as individuals. Um, how how are you going about? It? Can you can you share a little bit around the approach you're taking to that um, academy work and upskilling managers? Yeah, of course. It's a big project and it's going to take time. But essentially what it's come from is we've created different training programs for different levels in the business. So if you're a team leader, for example, who's really, I suppose, a supervisor in our kind of terms, you would go on a particular course. They're called things like Evolve and Accelerate. So you put yourself forward, you join those courses and you do them over a period of time. But we've also put mentoring in place. Um, We've made a promise by the end of this year that we will train um, uh, around 400 well-being champions. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're also trained in that well-being world. Um, If you're a department manager, you access a different course. So not only is it giving them the training, it's also giving them the scope for progress as well. Mm -hmm. So if you're we we kind of gauged it by if you're on the team leaders course, for example, we can see what percentage of them are then moving up to a department manager. So we're able to see that it's also creating loyalty and progression. and then what we would then do is we've put in place very much like a coach, a coaching culture. So we've actually got a huge amount now of our actual internal leaders trained as coaches so right. that we're able to roll that out in the business as well as mentoring. So trying to offer lots of different angles, depending on what suits that individual mm-hmm. um, in order to have that, you know, whether that might be bite sized online learning that works for particular groups. But we're definitely seeing that land uh both in terms of the learning but also in terms of the the recognition that provides them as well yes and tell me does um when it comes to your recruitment do you tend to do people tend to join moto at a relatively entry level or or do you do you employ people who've got experience from elsewhere 
I think it's a real mixture. It's probably a bit 50-50, actually, without having the data solidly in front of me. We've mm. got a lot of homegrown. You know, one of our directors on the board started off cleaning tables in Burger King many right. years ago. Um, so we've got a complete mixture. There's a, there's a one lady who's one of our talent team who delivers the training courses, who started off, I think, about 20 years ago working on one of our sites in, in the hospitality side. So we definitely have those stories and we want more of them because mm. we are a very specific culture. We're also a weird industry that takes a while to get to know. Um, but we also have site operations managers and people in central support roles that come from the outside. And I think you need that mix because I've been here three years and and. I'm 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 seen as a newbie. You've got people here that have been here 30 years. Right. And I think it's nice to have both because at times those that have been here a really long time, yes, they know the business well, but they can be resistant to change. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think bringing in the fresh blood as well allows for kind of fresh perspectives. So, yeah, we're a real mixture of the two. But I see in the future that percentage of people that are homegrown being mm-hmm. higher. Mm. And and of course, those stories that you've just touched on, some of those some of those stories of senior leaders and people in who've developed their career over a long period of time. Those are those are great um, aspirational stories to share in terms of this is the kind of career path that may be available to some people to follow if they want to. So presumably your your app that you were talking about, what did you call it again? Sorry. Good loop loop do you share those kinds of stories through through there are those the sorts of things that you 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 will focus on as well yeah that would be what I would call like the kind of the fun content as opposed to the you must know about this allergen recall yes. um, so a mixture of the two we're not as good as we'd like to be at some of that internal careers storytelling weirdly we've actually got um, a couple of days booked on some sites to go in and shoot some videos for that so it's on our agenda to do that actually to get some really good video content on those stories yes um, I think we can do better we informally share it but I think we can do better with that um and I think that the other thing we do just as a, as a point on that is we're quite persona focused so a bit like in marketing you know how you're looking to to put the message out there about your business yes. you wouldn't do that blindly you'd think who is my audience and how do I get that in front of them so we've been trying to do the same the last couple of years with recruitment we've said look we want people that are 16 to 18 we want students we want parents that want a second income where are those particular groups of people and how can we put ourselves in that in that place uh, in mm-hmm. front of them so I think we've been doing the same internally trying to understand the personas of our existing colleagues and target content you can hear the marketeer in me there can't you um, yeah, absolutely specifically to them which engages with them yeah music to my ears Emma and and, you know obviously our backgrounds are not dissimilar in that regard are they and so it's it's exactly that isn't it applying the the techniques of the marketing world that insight-led approach identifying who understanding your audience climbing inside your audience's head targeting your communication according to the needs and um, what's going to what's going to sort of um, trigger and engage your audience it's it's all crucial stuff isn't it so so communication and engagement they, they're kind of inextricably linked aren't they yes oh my goodness yes mm. and and your head of colleague experience comms um is that colleague comms or do you get involved in external comms too no so I'm purely colleague comms we purely. have an a lady who leads a team called Kirsty who looks after the marketing comms but it's complex because obviously our our brand and you touched on it earlier our brand of moto is both not really a consumer brand and not really an employer brand a lot of the time our consumer brand marketing takes over so whatever the new BK Whopper is becomes our marketing as opposed to what moto is doing some of the time so we have that little bit of a challenge um and um that can be a challenge for the employer brand i have to go back to that one joe briefly because you'd be really surprised by this 
I wanted to really understand that employer brand loyalty. And I kind of asked a few of our on-site colleagues, you know, when you're down the pub and someone says to you, who do you work for? What do you say? Mm. And I fully expected them to say BK, KFC, M&S. Didn't expect Moto to come up. What I didn't anticipate is that they said Weatherby Services. Winchester Services. It was a real local employer brand. Loyalty. Oh, right. It's it, it interesting. Took me by surprise. It really did. Yeah, because I was I wanted to explore that a little bit with you and say, you know, understand what is the priority brand. And actually what you're saying is there's this there's this loyalty to the local site. Yeah. And and I guess that that comes down to loyalty and um to my colleagues and the people that I yeah. do a shift with. But it's that's also got to be um very much down to the power of the of your managers and site managers hasn't it the, I think the quality so. of them you know the ability they have to generate a sense of we're in this together I definitely think that's true and I definitely think you can see that even more so on the sites with that strong leadership that's perhaps been in place for a while mm. they refer to themselves as a family or a community mm. um, and they actually have like on our internal loop feed they have like hashtag team Weatherby um, so it, it really does create that. And, and we don't want to take that away. But at the same time, we will sometimes lose a really good colleague because they don't realise when they're moving house to a different area of the country that they could stay with Moto. So it, it's kind of a bit of a mixture. Um, and also quite often we have to, they're really very loyal to that that BK or that KFC brand because that's the uniform they're wearing. That's their physicality. So what we try to do is bring the good stuff from Moto. Their mm-hmm. Moto colleague discount card, their Moto internal comms app, their Moto discounts that they get, mm-hmm. um, their, uh, their bits and bobs. You know, now we offer um, enhanced maternity and paternity leave from Moto. You know, mm-hmm. we try and constantly try and bring that that kind of good side into it. But even when we're recruiting, we have to use those supporting brands as well because people want to know they're coming to work in a Burger King. They don't understand that they're coming to work for the services because mm-hmm. then they don't know what part of that they're a part of. So it can be quite challenging. And Merlin was exactly the same. People would much rather say they worked for Legoland or Rotten Towers. Yes. Yes, yes. I, it, yeah. it, it, you've got to, you've got to, as you say, bring the best of both, haven't you? But it's the, the, the big consumer brand is the, is almost, is almost like the hero. But I would, I don't really want to use that word because that then belittles Moto. But the power of Moto is in terms of providing all of the supporting structures, and without the supporting structures, the rest of it would crumble, wouldn't it? That's a lovely analogy. It's very true. I often talk about the building bricks being right getting those basic building bricks right and I think sometimes we jump in and want to do more when actually we've got to get the basics right yes yes so let's just talk a little bit we've got a two or three minutes left um let's go back to those basics and you talked about cleanliness and somewhere to safely put your bag and 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 all the rest of it I mean how do you how do you check that you are getting those things right other than by you going out there and talking to people yeah, and getting around 64 sites probably isn't necessarily going to be uh, achievable. It, a lot of it's based on, so we have pulse surveys, mm-hmm. uh, specific colleague life cycle points, um, as right. well as particular times of the year. At the moment, we've got a well-being pulse going out. And then we have an annual survey called Have Your Say. And that's a massive part of it. I make a promise to read every single one of the comments. And sometimes by the time you get multiple, that can be close to sort of 10,000 comments. 
understanding those, responding to them and driving action. I mean, action planning won't be alien to anybody on this, I'm sure, that um, it's about really driving that action planning locally. So if I'm seeing that feedback, I can drive that action with that site manager. I can talk to them. I can help them drive change. So a lot of it comes from the feedback. But Loop also gives it to us now because it's live social feeds. If they want to post something, a picture of themselves on the social feed with a messy staff area, I'm going to see it within seconds. Mm. So actually what Loop has enabled us to do is to actually see in the moment feedback even more. Yes. And do you think, Emma, I mean, this is an interesting one. Um, There's a lot of talk, isn't there, about psychological safety in the workplace and people feeling safe to speak up. Um, Would you say your people are comfortable in speaking up if they if they they're seeing something that isn't isn't what they consider to be right they'll they'll share it i think that they're giving so many opportunities to anonymously uh-huh. um, through things like surveys and posts that uh, that i think absolutely and from what i see on loop i think people are willing to but i really do think a lot of that can come down to that local management still at the end of the day yes yes and if that local manager doesn't have kind of an open door policy that can be quite challenging hmm. Yeah, so there's a degree of variability there in in that in, oh, in, in, inevitably. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's gone very quiet. Are you still there? Yeah. Sorry, I, I don't don't know if you'll be able to edit this out, but my my little boy's just come in from school from the childminders, and I'm going. Shh. Oh, that's all right. No, we're not going to edit it out. It's lovely. It's real real life. Real, Real life, life juggle of juggle of working from home. My husband's just come in and I'm trying to wave at him to shut the door and my little boy I can see he's going back to go, Mummy! Uh, <laughs> love it, love it. Well though we we all deal with that, whether it's young children or, or pets, don't we? So Yes, uh, that's the, true. That's it's true. the nature of the world. Listen, we yeah. literally run out run flat out of time now, Emma. So perfectly timely <laughs> ending to things. Um what I would like to just um, recommend people to do, because um, Emma and the team at Moto have been one of the contributors to our Engage for Success pledge wall, um, where you've you've talked about how you apply the principles of employee engagement, the four enablers of employee engagement in the work that you do at Moto, um, and as and um, part of that um, commitment was to come on the radio show and share your story with us. So thank you for doing that, Emma. Um, appreciate um, what you've shared with us in terms of engaging at an operational level. Um, don't forget uh, to our listeners, you can download or stream any of the great shows for our, from our archive, all 497 of them, um, by visiting engageforsuccess.org. And that's also where you can get involved in the movement. Um, if, you've got, um, if you'd like to get involved in any kind of volunteer capacity, we would love to hear from you. Um, so all that really remains is for me to say thank you to Emma James for joining us today. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.